0: by somebody in the church, a young person that I am so proud of. Uh, he he kind of works behind the scenes, and he does our, uh, our cameras and makes sure that everything looks good on, online and on, and on our website and you know where, where we're being seen. But uh, Javi Montijo, would you come up, Javi, real quick? No one sees you all the time, but this guy is a wonderful, wonderful... Yeah, so, so Javi, yeah, come on up, bro. He's like, are you sure you want me to go up there? I like being behind the camera. Javi, uh, f- first of all, he started coming here out of, in high school, right, Javi? And, uh, you know, didn't come with his parents, just came by himself, and the Lord just started to do a work on, on, on Javi that's incredible. You can see that his countenance is just a, an amazing uh, young man of God. Well, he recently uh, finished his certification in uh, being a masseuse, right, and a massage therapist. And so I said, Javi, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Um, so if you ever need someone, right here. Give me a good massage. But bro, I'm, I'm so happy for you, dude. Bless you. Keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah. We love accomplishments here. So we started a series last week uh, talking about the truth about marriage. And it, it must have been a pretty good message because we have a lot of people back and a lot more people coming. And when we, when we look at what God says about marriage, it is a lot different than what the world says about marriage. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. And we found it, that marriage is, number one, God's idea. He thought it up. And so when anything comes to us, that is a different idea from what God said marriage would be, then we need to believe God and not all the ideas that are all over the place. We also found that it's God's design. He designed marriage, and in that design, in fact, every person is unique. So look at the person next to you and just look at their uniqueness and just say, man, you are, you are, you're different. They say, you're different, right? In a good way. You're different in a good way, right? And the, and the new people are like, hey, you're scaring me. I don't know if I should be here. You're freaking me out by doing this, right? So we found out it's God's design, that people are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, and, uh, and that when we find that marriage uh, partner, uh, that we find a, a good thing. Amen. Now, the devil and the world and our flesh will try to distort that, but from God's perspective, he designed everything wonderful. And then we also found out that marriage is God's plan. And he said, for this reason, when he, when he made woman, and if you, I'm not going to kind of rehash everything that we talked about last week. If you, if you were not here, I would strongly recommend for you to look at the, at, at the online uh, service and hear the message there. Um, but we found that, that God has a plan in marriage. And uh, he said, for this reason, a man, being a male, will leave his father male and his mother female and will cleave to his wife and the two will become one. And so we, we learn that God's plan is, and, and it goes along with his design and his idea that, that uh, marriage should, should have pe- the, the couples leave the security of their parents and find their security in God. And they should bond with each other. They should they should have this oneness, and, and that's why marriage, uh, whenever it's severed, it does so much damage. I don't think there's any other relationship besides marriage that does more damage to a society, to a family, to an individual than than when something happens in marriage. Amen. Amen. And, and so here's what I want you to know: that, uh, that that God is for you, and He's for marriage, and and. If you're here and maybe uh, you had a broken marriage, maybe you've gone through a divorce, we have a a, a Savior in Jesus who can heal. And so you're not a second-class citizen if that's happened, but I want you to know that God has a better way. And, And he can restore you, he can restore couples, but he can put us on a path where we begin to find what he thinks is important, not only in our individual life, but in our married life. Okay, So I have never met with a couple, and I do a lot of premarital coaching or premarital counseling uh, throughout the year. In fact, I'm meeting with two couples at the moment right now, two young couples just love it. And I have never met with a couple in premarital counseling that will say to me, I don't love this person. They come to me usually saying, I'm goo goo about this person. I just love him. I love her and she says I love him. Right? But I have had couples come to me 6 months later. I don't think I love this person. Or I don't I don't know what happened. This is not the person I was going to marry, right? So the question is this, what happened? What happened? We see in the, in the original design of, of marriage, the, the foundational uh, uh, scripture passage and the reality of how God created uh, society and family through Adam and Eve, we see that it was perfect. We, we see that that woman was taken from uh, the rib of, of man and God fashioned her and everything was Good. But then we see, in modern times, and maybe in history, that marriage has not been real good. That things happen, and uh, and sometimes it, it it brings a lot of a lot of hurt, a lot of heartache, a lot of brokenness. But God gives us an explanation. In fact, there's nothing that we face in life that God won't speak into. There's nothing that we go through that that God doesn't give us an answer or direction or guidance in his word. So I, um, I want for us to go to the next chapter. We're gonna go to chapter three of Genesis. And we're gonna read the account of what happened to this perfect couple and this perfect relationship. And then we're going to uh, not only see what happened in the then and there, but we're going to look at it from the here and now. And it may, it may hit home. It, it may be like a, a missile or a target that's hitting very close to home, but let me tell you something, that, that God wants to come in and he wants to save you. He wants to save marriages. And the way that he saves it is not the way the world does. Because instead of distorting it, he's going to bring clarity. Amen? Instead of confusion, he's going to make it plain and clear. And so here's what happens in chapter 3, verse 1. After it said... The man and his wife were naked and had no shame. It says this in chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, the serpent asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Notice the, the, the vague question right there. And this is important right there. This serpent that we're going to learn a lot about today, he will come in with a vague question, very general. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. Underline, if you're in your outline, underline, even touch it. If you do, you will die. The reason I want you to underline that is because God never told the man and the woman that if they touched it, they would die. He never said that. He said, if you eat of this fruit, then you will, you will die. So we can add things to what God says. Amen? And when the enemy, when the serpent is, is, is coming into our lives, usually he wants us to distort what God has told us. That's important right there. Okay? Verse 4, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like, like who? Like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that would it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some of the some, uh, to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Isn't that interesting? So the man is allowing the woman to speak to the serpent and just listening and not saying anything. He's a bystander. Okay. You ate it now. Okay. I'll eat it. Right. And, and don't men do that. You know, don't men sometimes say, you know, I'll let my wife do this first. Right. And then I'll do it. At that moment, verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. Hmm. Here they are, they, they know nothing but good. All they know is good. And they ate of this fruit that was forbidden to them and now they know shame, now they know evil. And instead of it bringing something good into their life, it brought something bad. I want you to grab a hold of that because the devil brings things into our life that seem good, but it destroys us. Amen? So they sowed fig trees together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Now this is important as well because people always were notorious for thinking we can hide from God. If you've ever if you've ever played hide and go seek with your grandchildren or when your children when they were small, and they go when they're three or four years old, and you know where they're at, and they and and you say, Where is he? Where's where's Salem? You know, where's Ava? Where's Stephen? And they're laughing. (laughs) And that's exactly how we are to God. We think we can hide from God, but God knows everything. Amen. He says, Where are you? And he replied, uh, verse 10, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And who told you you were naked? Verse 11, the Lord God asked, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, It was the woman. <laughs> this is beautiful right here. It was the woman that you gave me. You're both at fault. It wasn't me, right? The woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. I would never have eaten if it wouldn't be for that serpent. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And that's pretty practical right there. We still see snakes that are that are groveling. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Notice that he doesn't say plural. He doesn't say offsprings. He says offspring. He doesn't say seeds. He says seed. He's talking about one that would come that would take care of that serpent. One. he's, he's, He's looking forward to the one that would conquer and overcome the serpent of our life. He's talking about Jesus. Okay? Let's keep on reading right there. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, you're going you're gonna to bite him. You're going to think you killed him. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die and pay the penalty for everybody. But everyone through him is going to have life. He's talking about Jesus right there. Okay? Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, this is important right here. I just saw this last week and I had never really realized it until last week. Maybe you have, but I'm I'm not that smart, so I realized it. The, 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 the tension that, 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 that women and men have, and especially in the home, and, 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 and you know, this, this battle for dominancy, this battle for, for who's going to, to be uh, the head, this battle didn't start until after the fall. In the perfect creation, there's no battle between a man and a woman. Are you with me? So when you come to Jesus, let me tell you what happens in your life. It stops. It should stop. Instead of battling for who's in control, we understand God's in control. And we submit ourselves one to another. And we're going to look at, at His needs, her need next week, but I want you to understand that, that the perfect creation of God and what He has for your marriage is that you guys look at each other as equals unto God your father. And there's no one lower and there's no one higher. It's so beautiful. And, the, and to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. You see, before, before the fall, Adam tended the garden of, uh, 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 in Eden, he, he worked all the time. But it wasn't work, it was achievement. It was doing something to, for the glory of God. After the fall, it began to become work. And so many men struggle because they have to go to work instead of when you're in Christ, I get to go and achieve something for the glory of God. Everything that I do with my hands, everything that I do with my feet, everything that I do with my mind, everything that God has allowed for me to do, it's not work, it's for his glory. It's making the world a better place. It's making my family better. It's making me better. It's looking back and saying, look at what God has done. Look at what he's been able to accomplish. Look at all this. It's for his glory. Amen. Everything changed when the fall. So what happened? I'm going to give you some takeaways. Here's the first thing. There is a crafty serpent in the plain field of life. And he's in my plain field and he's in your playing field. And I want to emphasize the serpent. It's not plural. It's not the serpents. It's, there's a serpent. And that's an important distinction. He's the enemy of your soul. He's the enemy of your marriage. A lot of times when I'm praying for people, I'll pray these words, Lord, save their soul. Save their soul, Lord, because saved souls have a good direction. And, and he's the enemy of every important relationship that we ever make. I, I say this all the time, diabolos, where we get the word diablo, the, 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 the original word diabolos. Is, it means one who penetrates and separates. He wants to p- penetrate and separate you from the most important relationships that you have. Number one is your relationship with God. Number two is your relationship with your spouse. The book of Revelation gives us us another view of this entity when it says the great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So he's very influential. He took one-third of the angels with him. He's got great influence, and his goal is to usurp the great work of God in your life, your individual life, as well as the most important relationships that we have. Let me tell you that the enemy wants to break up your relationship with your husband, with your wife, but with your kids, with your grandkids. Your your battle is not against your children. Your battle is against the devil who wants to break you apart. I like to look at different translations. The, the NLT puts it like this. The, the serpent was the shrewdest of all these wild animals. Uh, the NASB puts it like this. The serpent was more crafty than any animal that the Lord God had made. And then the, 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 re, the revised NASB, the newest version says, now the serpent was more cunning So he is an adversary that knows his business. He's good at what he does. Now, I want you to know something. I don't fear the enemy. I only fear God who created him. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But but I got to tell you something. At the same time, I understand this. Without Jesus, I am no match for the devil. The devil played me like a puppet for many years. The the, the devil wants to come into our life. He's the shrewdest. He's the most crafty. He's the most cunning entity God ever made. And I see great people all the time that fall because they did not identify the enemy in their life. Life. You hear me say this all the time. I am. I am one bad decision away from failing. If I don't check what's going on here in my mind and allow it to penetrate my heart, if I don't allow for the word of truth to continually guide me, the enemy will come in and he'll take as much room, as much real estate as I'll give him. So, so here's what, I, what I've come to, to realize, because I've seen some great people fall. And, and the question is always this, what happened? What happened to this great pastor? What happened to this wonderful ministry leader? What happened to this wonderful family what happened to this couple that, that when you saw them five years ago, they were so happy and, and now they're, they're, they're not together anymore and, and you see their children are broken and you see all of these things because divorce doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. What happened? Well, their intellect didn't keep them together. Their, their, their power didn't keep them together. Their, 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 their charisma didn't keep them together. So I need to understand it's not my intellect that's going to keep the devil at bay. It's not my own my own wisdom that's going to keep them at bay. It's, it's certainly not my power. The only thing that will keep the devil at bay is my dependency on Jesus Christ, my Lord. and the authority that He has given every child of God, to overcome what the devil wants to do in our life. I'm going to give you a scenario. I hope, I hope you can grab a hold of it. Okay, a police officer. When, when, when something happens in, in, in Tucson, it can happen anywhere, but I'm going to use Tucson as an example. I'd use Oracle, but we don't have any traffic lights. So the, the road on, on Oracle and Shannon, you know, I'm mean, think Oracle and Cross Streets, Oracle and McGee, the, 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 the street lights go out because of an electrical storm. And so the street lights go out. So they call this officer to go there. And this officer goes to the middle, middle of the intersection and he begins, to, he begins to direct traffic, right? And there's there's semi-trucks that are coming in and for some reason those trucks stop when he goes like this. Now I want you to consider this. Does that police officer have the power to stop that truck? What does he have? He's got the authority to stop that truck. Let me tell you something, beloved. You don't have the power to stop Satan, but you've got the authority in Jesus Christ to stand against that devil that's trying to come into your life and destroy you. So, so it, it was Jesus who said this, and, and, and this is important. This is so powerful. Jesus is, is talking in John 14, and he's, and he's instructing his disciples about him going to the cross and all the things that are going to happen. And he says this, I, won't, I will not talk with you much more. He says, for the prince, and I love the way the Amplified Bible puts it, the, the prince Of the world, but it says the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of the world is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. The more Jesus you have, the more authority you have. The more Jesus you have, the more discernment that you have. Because there's no evil in Jesus. And there's a lot of evil that tries to creep into us. It tries to creep into our individual lives. It tries to creep into our marriages. What what happened to Adam and Eve can surely happen to to James Reese if my dependency is not solely on God. God. Because the enemy, the enemy of our souls, I I don't have his abilities. See, the enemy can throw thoughts at you. He can throw thoughts at at your head, at your mind. And those thoughts, you begin to think that they're yours. I don't have that power. If I did, I would just throw thoughts at my wife all the time. And then I wink. You guys have to guess. That's the part four of the series, by the way. So so we we begin to understand we don't have the power, but we have the authority in Christ. And and I have a choice. I have a choice in my individual life, and I have a choice in my married life to choose to be sober-minded. Well, I'm going to step on toes. Or to be intoxicated by the things of this world. And can I tell you something, beloved? This is not just alcohol. It's anything that takes me away from the good purposes of God. And can I tell you something? That the world wants to intoxify you so that you cannot reason with the word of God. The apostle Peter put it like this. He said, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. The enemy of yours, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry. He's seeking someone to devour. And let me tell you, beloved, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I got two phone calls after last week's message, one from New Mexico and one from the state of Washington. And both of them had to do with marriages. Both of them had to do with, with, with affairs and, and, and with things that are happening and, and they, they bought into the lie that, that you can do things and they, they began, one of them called me, he was, he was pretty intoxicated and then the other one called me and, and, and he was just saying, you know what, we've just allowed the enemy into our house. To the point where his family, his, his children were like, if you, if you get back if you, if you do this, I, I don't want no part of it. There's just so much yuckiness, and I said, hold on to God. Don't hold on to the ideas of man. Not only does, does the enemy want to destroy individuals, he also wants to destroy marriages. Because if he can destroy marriages, hear me now, he will destroy schools He will destroy businesses. He will destroy government. He will destroy everything. Because when when marriages are broken, and God can restore them. Hear me now. When marriages are broken, trust is broken. And there's someone in here. Maybe you came from a broken marriage. Maybe you're in that place, and there is no trust. Because you're not standing on a solid foundation of truth, which is only found in Jesus Christ. And when the truth sets you free, you will be free indeed. And if the truth sets me free, and it, it has by the grace of God, then my marriage was set free. You know, Sean and I had so many skeletons in the closet that we took out and we brought them before each other. And by the grace of God, we forgave each other. And guess what? Those things don't have us anymore. So there's hope. There's hope for the hopeless. He, here's, here's the second takeaway. His intent, the enemy of your marriage, his intent, is for you to doubt God's word and for you to doubt God's goodness. Even right now, some of you in your mind, you're, you're battling. You have this battle going on. Ah, don't listen to that preacher. Oh, oh, he don't know what he's saying, but here's the deal. When you look at it and you're honest and you evaluate everything honestly, you know that, that God's word is true because God's word never changes. His word for your marriage, for, for, for this cause. We leave our father and our mother. We cleave to our wives and we become one. And, and we're naked and, and we have, uh, there's no shame in our marriage. There's nothing, everything's open to each other. This becomes open to each other. Nothing is hidden in this nakedness. And the devil comes around and he says, Are you sure? You're not missing out. Can can you really trust God's word? Is, Is God as reliable as he says he is? Look at the fruit you're missing out on. You've got your wife and you have got this wonderful marriage and you've got this wonderful intimacy. Which Intimacy, you build on it. You make it better. It doesn't just happen overnight. You continually work to make it better. You foster it. You take care of it. You build on it. You talk about it. You communicate about it. But you've got this wonderful thing happening in your life. God has gifted you with your wife. God has gifted you with your husband. And the devil says, could the fruit over there Maybe be better. Look at what it says. One day, he asked a woman, did God really say? Has anyone noticed that it doesn't say what day it is? It doesn't say it was Monday. It doesn't say it was Tuesday. It doesn't say it was Saturday. It doesn't say it was Sunday. He looked for the opportune. He looked for that opportunity. He looked for that crack in the armor, for the crack in the foundation. For Eve, it was a perfect world. Eve didn't know what evil was. All, all her and Adam knew that, 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 that it was good, but but the enemy wanted to entice her. All she knew was good, but the enemy said, Maybe you're missing now because this evil over here. You might want to see it. Hear me now. What are you missing out on? You might want to see what's behind box number one. Or maybe box number two. Or maybe box number three. And he'll always start by saying this. Did God really say? You know, God um God has so such a good plan for our life. He, he's got such a, a a good plan for our marriage. And then the enemy comes and he says, uh, did God really say that marriage is between a man and a woman? I know you guys haven't even heard that. But God plainly said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And then he brought to the man a, a woman. Did, did God really say that, a, that a, man, uh, a, a man should leave his father and mother and should cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh? Did, did God really, did He really say that? And that's exactly what's happened in humanity. You think it's just happening right now, it's happened throughout humanity when the fall happened. And the, and the church, is are we going to stay quiet? or Are God's people going to say, you know what, I'm just going to conform to what's going on? Or is the church going to rise up and say, we will stand on what God says. We will build our lives on God. Let God be found true and every man and woman found to be a liar if it contradicts the word of truth. The apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome and probably the best description of how people can get saved and the condition of humans. He's put it like this. He said, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That's an important statement right there. So it tells me that there will be people that will actually push down the truth and bring up a lie. Now let's keep on reading. He says, they know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds, animals, and reptiles. Let me pause right there. From the very beginning, the golden calf is an example of that. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. And everyone said, amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women even the women, turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Now, this is not my word. This is not, this is not my word. This is God's word. This is not my idea. This is God's idea. Why is this important? Because if we don't get back to God's idea, we'll perish. If we don't get back to God's design... Will skew it. If, if we think that in our own, in our own ideas, in our own minds, that we can change and tweak what God made foundational, not only will it hurt us, but it will hurt our loved ones. I preach this. And I live this because I love my children and I love my grandchildren and I love my great grandchildren that are going to come. And the Word of God is the basis of our lives. It's, it's the basis of our, of our society, but, but the, 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 the spirit of the enemy, you know, there, there's a the spirit of God. And, and this is what the the psalmist, the psalmist said this in Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in, in him. So when, when I hear God's word, as difficult as God's word may be at times, I trust his word over everybody else's word. I take refuge in God's word because, see, some of you guys may be thinking right now, and someone watching online, you may be thinking right now, well, well, how dare God? Doesn't he just want people to be happy? Doesn't he just want them to choose whatever makes them happy? Here's the thing is that sometimes we choose things that might make us happy, but it destroys people around us as well as ourselves. Tell that person that left his wife, that walked out on his wife, because he wanted to be happy and he's happier with this person that he's been having a relationship with and, and he's happy, but guess how it leaves his children? Broken. And because of experience, because I've lived this, because I've seen it, because I've helped people through this, six months later, a year later, they're calling back and saying, I made a big mistake because I want it to be happy. And so you've got these oh boy. You've got this agenda going on that says, "You know what? Let's target children." And we'll make decisions for our children and we'll take that decision away from the parents and we'll make the decisions. And we'll change their gender. Can I tell you something beloved? The reason that you're called to be a parent is because your children can't make their decisions until they become adults. The reason that we're called into a marriage that we that we trust in the word of God is because when the word of God guides our marriage, it also guides our children and we produce productive children who honor God and honor country and honor people. But you need to understand this. Here's your last takeaway. And you guys are really quiet today. Thank you for being so quiet. (laughs) Here's your last takeaway. His, the enemy of your marriage and your soul, his power is in the lie. You need to know this, if it contradicts contradicts this, if you believe this is truth, I believe wholeheartedly that this this is God's truth, then anything that contradicts it is a what? It's a lie. The, The lie of Satan, just like the truth of Jesus, it comes with choices. We can choose to believe the truth of God or we can choose to believe the lies of the devil. When, 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 the serpent, when the serpent told Eve, "You won't die. Instead, God knows that your eyes are going to be open as soon as you eat it, and you're going to be like God, just like, just like I wanted to be God." The serpent taught you know, th- just the white lines. I, I, I want to be God. I, I think I'm better than God. I think I should have more notoriety than God. That's how the serpent thinks. But he also tells you, but you don't need God. You can be your own God. I lived, I lived 26 years like that before I came to Jesus. I lived, especially in the last part of my, before I came to Christ, I thought I was my own God. I thought that I, no one's going to tell me what to do. I, I, this was my song. I did it my my way, but my way was the wrong way. My way was not God's way. And, and that's the same lie that people are posed with today. You can be just like God. You don't need anyone in your life. And, and, and those lies lead you to think that there will be no consequence. But with every choice in your life, there is a consequence there's a positive consequence if you if you walk in the truth of God and there's a negative consequence when you believe the lies of the devil. What happened to Adam and Eve? They died. They died spiritually and eventually they would die physically. They began to blame each other. Adam would look at work like a like a like a like a chore instead of an accomplishment. Eve would begin to struggle By being dominated by her husband instead of the reality that she was his helper and had the worth of God placed on her life. And this is what happens in marriage or the lack of marriage. We believe the lie. Beloved, I tell you this as someone who loves you so very much do not believe the lie of the devil. Do not believe that you can live uh, with, with, with someone, that, that, you can, that you can have sexual relationships with someone without, without the, the, the covenant of marriage being in your life. Don't believe the lie of the devil. Do, do not believe that in marriage that you can move on beyond you know, your, your, your spouse and you can do the, do the, the, the things that, that, your, that your flesh wants you to do. Do not believe the lies of the devil. God has so much better for you. So the, the children of Israel, they, they, they had this pride in them. Same thing that we have outside of God, we, this pride. And they were saying, our father is Abraham. What are you talking about, Jesus? Our father is Abraham. We only do the things of Abraham. And then Jesus looked at him in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said, your children aren't, you're not children of Abraham. He says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now hear me. This is a choice that's posed on every one of us. Will we believe Jesus? Or will we believe everything else? I'll be married 38 years in October. Yeah, but I'm not. Praise God! Yeah, that's awesome. It is. Let me tell you why it's awesome. Because of all my friends, all my homies, and their wives. My wife and I were the least likely to succeed. You know, when you when you graduate in your yearbook, they have most likely to succeed. Our marriage was the least likely to succeed, but Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. Now, now here, here, this is important because you 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 look at Sean and I and you're like, okay, pastor, you know, you're all bad in a bag of chips, 38 years. That's not what I'm trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say is that today's your starting point. If, if you've had some 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 brokenness, today's your starting point. Today's your restoration. If you've been living in in, in sin, can I tell you that all of us are vulnerable? I've got to be confessing sin all the time. That devil sly. Sean and I continuously, you know, more me than her, you know, she's almost perfect. But me, you know, I got a ways to go. But maybe today you can you can make a decision to stop. Maybe you can prioritize God in your life. Maybe, maybe Jesus can become your everything. Because if he's your everything, then your wife and your husband are second. And let me tell you something. You'll love him more than you ever have before. I'm going to end with one scripture. It says, it says this. Jesus again. Uh, I'm sorry. John talking. When people keep on sinning. He doesn't say people sin. Because we all sin. When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to who? To the devil. Right? Now this is not this is the word of God so this is truth so if you can keep sinning and 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 don't have any remorse then there's something wrong but if you have remorse and you say you know what this is wrong I, I need to stop I I don't like the way it makes me feel it makes me feel empty then then you can you can make a choose a different way it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning but the Son of God Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I'm going to end with a prayer. I'm going to end with a prayer. And maybe this prayer will resonate with you. And maybe today you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life. And in making him the Lord of your life, then he will become the Lord of your marriage. He'll become the Lord of your relationships. If you're not married, then you say, Lord, I want to submit my relationships to you. I want to honor you so that you can honor me. Amen? Thank you, Will. Thank you for that, buddy. So it's a simple prayer. It says this, God, I need you in my life. Forgive me for trying to live my life without you. I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I am turning from my sin and placing my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world who died for my sins on the cross at Calvary. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. And I choose to follow him from this day forward in the fellowship of his church. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, do me a big, big favor. Because God, God, God knows. It's, it's already working in heaven. But if you prayed that prayer on your Connect card, on that orange card, just say, I gave my life to Jesus today. I said yes to Jesus. And that way we can start to pray for you. And you can start moving in that next step of faith. God loves you and He's got a wonderful plan for your life.
1: Amen. Can you stand with us. His closing song. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand when everything